Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio episode 128 with Salada Stefano, Josh Trent, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews live at the Mind Pump Studio in San Jose. The way that you get this endorphin rush when you get a like or a new person who adds to you or somebody talks about you or tags you, every time you you open that and you see that on Facebook or on Instagram, you get this release and this rush. And that kind of 24-hour connectiveness, it went from none to everyone so fast. What is scary about this is that we only have about 10 years of tracking. We don't know what the long-term effects of this. And they do a lot of crazy comparisons to drug addiction. It's going to be a challenge going forward, removing that. These tools, these apps were engineered to do that, to get you addicted to it. And remember, we're the drivers of media. What we consume is what they'll produce. Is getting out of control and you don't even realize it. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. On this episode, I talked to the guys from Mind Pump again for round two. If you heard us in round one, it was Austin, Texas at Paleo FX this round, live in San Jose, talking about the duality of wellness and technology, two subjects that we've explored on the show, but not in this much depth and definitely not with this many F words. If you have young kids, make sure that you put in headphones. Do not play this around people that get offended by swearing. And by the way, if you get offended by swearing, you might want to look at that. Okay. Certain swear words in certain times, they just make it so more zesty and so much more fun to listen to this tech driven world that we find ourselves in with more connection and media distraction. It seems like not an hour goes by when we're not fed scare tactics and scary news from all these different stations on Facebook and across the web space. How do we balance this? How do we balance these forces so they truly assist us? Can we get a positive news network? We'll explore this on the show, this level of technology and social integration being kind of in its infancy still. And I think I'm just as curious as you, where I'm wondering, how are people going to circumvent this addictive property of technology? I mean, we have our phones on us pretty much 24-7. So can we take that phone that's in our hand or in our pocket and use it to be this mirror of mindfulness that we've talked about on the podcast? I say hell yes, but there's a lot of people and some of the information that we talk about with the guys from Mind Pump today that say hell no. What do you think? I'd love to know what you think personally about technology. Is it our friend? Is it our foe? What's the mindset that we get to adopt? Let me know what you think. Post in the Wellness Force Facebook community. Just tap your show artwork. Click on the button that says join the Facebook community. I'd love to know what you think about this. We partition this time for self-care. We take the time to listen to podcasts to grow smarter at this intersection of physical and emotional intelligence. And I am so stoked you're here. So enjoy this raw and unfiltered conversation with Adam Salen, Justin, and myself in person in San Jose. So I got a great story for you. Yeah. Josh, so uh, so Justin was actually hired by Adam a long time ago. Worked with Adam for a long time at 24 Hour Fitness. Great, great friends. Just meets me before we start Mind Pump and we had to do this game where you had to be answer very honestly. Like you had to give an honest answer. I love how you're setting the table right you now. couldn't lie. <laughs> what? We filmed it, it's on YouTube. And the question was, who is the best? Oh, dude, who's on. the best salesperson? Wow. Oh, and man. so Justin was in this dilemma. Like, <laughs> Adam's like kind of my mentor. 
Uh, Early on, yeah. like I, you know, I don't want. But but I Sal's, knew this moment would never. But Sal's like he's like die. the sales Jesus. Like, what do I do? Sales Jesus. But the thing about Justin, do not is, use his name in vain. The thing about for Justin your is, own benefit is Justin has so much integrity that he had to tell the truth, mm. and so he told everybody it was me. And today, till Listen. this day, this was a long time ago. This is months ago. I, you know what I try to tell? So what I try long to tell time. him, Josh, is that <laughs> I had to tell him what he needed to hear. Yeah. You know, at that moment in time. Yeah. Like Sal, so he, he, looked, he looked like this lost puppy. He's like, yeah. oh, somebody throw me a bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> somebody throw me a bone. Yeah, so like I just, I felt the need to, to give that one to him. Where And meanwhile, challenge Adam to right. get out of his comfort zone. He was coasting right. yeah. as, as the top leader I feel in, like, in the group. I feel like you just insulted Adam even more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's as good as I got, Stop guys. coasting, that's Adam. As good as I got. How was the sales projection? How was this scaled? Was it like a 24-pack? Was it a membership? Ooh. What was it? Oh, no, 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 no. If we well, did that, go we, into metrics. No, we don't want to do that because uh, I mean, for sure we don't. It's not just okay. like trophies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the okay. best is. One of these days, I hope we all have an opportunity to go into a gym and maybe like those, uh, what's that show at the restaurant? Uh, uh, rest, uh, or is rest- that Bar oh, yeah. Rescue. Bar Rescue. Bar Rescue, something like that? Yeah. Rescue, yeah. rescue Gym. Yeah, like I want to do a rescue gym. I want to yeah. do that rescue for a gym, gym yeah. where we walk into a gym and make it happen. But then- Double their profits with two things. Yeah, but then it'll turn into a competition between me, Adam, and Justin yeah. because- that's just what's going to happen. Now, Josh, it'll be the, so the silent fun. ninja. It'll be so everybody. fun. You were there for quite some time, time, right? How many years? Oh were you, yeah. How many years were you there? Two thousand and five to two thousand and ten. Oh, so you so. put five years there, man. You yeah. were there for a good hot yeah. minute. You were actually there yeah. longer than I was. Yeah. We were there at the same time, so you know it's a trip. Right, there's, right. There's, it's almost certain that you and I have been to conventions at the same time before. Probably because I've been down to several L.A. conventions when Magic Johnson came out and spoke and did all that stuff down in L.A. area. I know I've been down there for a convention in San Diego before when we had the girl who, uh, what's her name, the blonde that's a softball pitcher, um, Missy, someone, uh, Missy no. Elliott. <laughs> 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 oh wait, she's that couldn't be further from not Missy Elliott. That couldn't be further from the blonde girl who throws a softball. <laughs> you're some magnificent yet. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, no? Didn't we have that one girl? Oh, see, I, that was before you guys might have started. Uh, what's her name? She was a uh, Baywatch. She was a 24 hour Pamela Anderson. She, she was, was not. She was 24 hour fitness's first big spokesperson. You didn't know this? I didn't Where did know you that. hear? Where did, did you I hear that? that? She was 24 hour fitness's spokesperson before. Uh, mm. I think it was before 2001. I remember, 2000. Uh, the tennis player uh, came into NASM like later, and then 24 hour Agassi. Fitness. Agassi, yeah, the Agassi Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. No, yeah. Agassi was uh, Agassi uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah, the super. Sport. See, that was later um, on. That was later on. Yeah, no, I know that was later and on. That's, that's, he's, he's 2005, from 2010. That's why I'm dropping yeah. stuff like that. That's yeah. not two. I was there from 2001 all the way to 2010. So wow. So I was there for nine years, and I was there. And then that's Sal a was, lot of balloons that close uh, out. That's friend. a lot of yeah. balloons. Oh, you, did you see? You want to see how wow. fast? Yeah. I, I would. So <laughs> we had we had an that. event. Oh here. I bet I could beat anybody at 100 balloons. Who could put 100 balloons up faster? <laughs> we had an event here. Sal did them all by breath. And me and Adam were like, "We'll do the balloons," and it was like so weird it was so it was reminiscent funny you brought that up wow. we just did this event here and we decided to put all these black and yellow balloons in here and it was like riding a bike i hadn't done that in so long <laughs> yeah. but we're just like we we had this assembly, they were like, like little like, kids <laughs> like yeah uh, sal started making weird animals with it yeah, yeah, yeah. no it was pretty funny yeah it was cool tying those balloons up but uh yeah i'm sure you've done that oh close out uh yeah i don't i don't remember having a balloon tying contest but i just remember <laughs> like get as much sold as you can including those boxes of cookies right so i, I definitely remember that not that much fun oh the, 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 pro, the protein cookies like, 
Yeah. Didn't we have those? Now in your yeah. area, started, do you do you packs? remember were there guys do you Apex. remember guys that were uh just stood out as far as in sales and so that do you was there a guy down in Southern California yeah. that was known for sales? Yeah, and- you know what? Um Kusha Carvandi, who actually I think he had a podcast for a while and now he has extra scribes, so they do like blood occlusion training and all this cool stuff. Hmm. And uh I remember like he would always be like number three and I'd be five. Uh-huh. <laughs> for the monthly reports. Uh-huh. And so one day we met each other and we both knew who we were. It was almost like Clint Eastwood, like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like this. You sold 12 I've seen your name, month. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it, for me, it was more like, how do I transition out of this as quickly as possible once it started to get to that point? Because once it started to get to that point, I was like, I was done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted something else. How long did you, because yeah. I stayed in for quite some time knowing that I was done. I was probably there three more years after yeah. I knew I needed to leave because I was comfortable. There's nothing worse than that, by the way. That just yeah. sucks when you're doing something y- and you yes know and no. you're done. You know why you it was hard for me to leave? It was hard for me to leave because, one, I was making good money. Two, I really loved fitness. I, l- I was very passionate about fitness. I loved people. It was a fun environment. I had built an incredible yeah. team around me that I really didn't, to be truthful, I didn't have to work very much. I came in the gym whenever I felt like it. I took two-hour lunches. I went home, had something to eat, worked out on, you know. Wow. I literally had a cush job, but I, where the company was going, I wasn't excited about, and I knew that I didn't have a future in the company, and so... I, I knew if I wanted to continue to progress that I needed to move on, but it was a really hard thing. I was very comfortable. It was hard for me to leave and break free from that, and I, and I stayed in that uh, zone for about three, three years knowing damn well I should have moved on sooner, but then also because I liked what I was doing, I was staying there, but I'm such a growth-minded person that eventually I couldn't handle it anymore. It's eventually, too boring. I got plucked out. I, I felt the same way you did for probably like two years, but then this other manager at the Wave House Athletic Club, it's, it's the, you know, has a roller coaster down by Mission Beach. So they used to have oh, a huge what? gym there. They used to have a huge gym there. And so he hit me up because he had heard about me. And so he was like, why don't you come and establish a fitness department here? And so we literally cleaned out a closet. Oh. Like we cleaned out a closet and like I started a team there. No shit. Nice. Yeah. So that was my transition from like 24 to actually like doing it in a real studio, real gym environment that had nothing to do with corporations. Now, what was that process yeah. like? Was it fucking hard? Yeah. Was it successful? Did you? Have I look. Hard, I, mean, dude, I look back on that time as so fond. I mean, like hmm. the memories that I made there. That was when I really understood what it was to be a trainer. Mm-hmm. Because the first three to four years, like, and I think we talked about this last time. Like, I would love to get my money back to the first two years of clients because mm-hmm. I was just like trying to wow the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, hey, stand on the BOSU ball. Close your eyes. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> That's your core. I'm oh, going to help no. you with that. Yeah. Oh, You're man. dynamically proprioceptive right now. Yes. Feel that. Yeah. Oh, it was so, a, yeah, words. I, I look at my first few years as a trainer as like I was experimenting on a bunch of clients and learning. Totally. I actually, uh, no joke, this is true now, I read uh, Arthur Jones. You guys know what Arthur Jones is? So he was um, uh, inventor of Nautilus equipment, and he had done the Colorado experiment with Casey Viator, and it talked about all you needed to do to signal muscle growth was to go to absolute failure one set, and that was it. So the whole protocol, like Mike Menser's heavy duty and all these different workouts were based on that particular philosophy of you just go to absolute failure one set, and then you're done for that body part, and then move to the next one. So I had this client that I... David was his name. I won't say his last name. And uh, this little Japanese dude, super nice guy, and he wanted to build muscle. And so our training sessions were 12 minutes. 
He'd come in wow. and we'd go to fucking failure, like hard on like two or three body parts, <laughs> and I'd send him off on his way. And yeah. uh, if you're listening right now, dude, yeah, I owe you a refund. Yeah, we're, you know we're what, though, sorry how, how badass of a session was that for him? A 12 minute session where he got to that oh, point, he powered out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He you never told he that. St- you never told that story before. He progressed yeah. for a grand total of three weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then nothing. And we just, I mean, I, I just bedridden. Dude, after I put that. him. I put him on the hack squat because I, I was like, oh, this is the way to do it. Like I'm, this is groundbreaking. And I'd put them on like a hack squat and I'd load it up with like five pound weights so that I could strip one off every time he hit yes. failure. And this poor dude, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't hit, get into rhabdo. I'm surprised he didn't die. Like, oh my God. like you go to failure, you'd be like, ah, oh, and I'd take another one off. Keep going. Oh, <laughs> you can do it. Oh, dude. You know, he's bleeding. It was crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But anyway. It's intense. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's such my a, confession. Such a bad trainer. Dude. That's, that's my confession trainer. as a trader. Send so that you, poor man his money. <laughs> so I, you got to step me through, Josh. You actually, so when you interview, you you typically do your homework on your guest and you yeah. you prepare like questions. What is that process like? Because it's something that we're terrible at. We don't know how to do that. Um, yeah. yeah, what's your name again? Yeah, <laughs> Justin and I, uh, we try to do that. Sal just keeps fucking it up all the time. Mm. What what is what does that look like? Do you actually like yes, print it all out? Accurate. I mean, what's that? What do you, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, man. I think interviewing in person is a whole different dynamic. So when I do it, I bring an iPad, and I actually got. I was watching Lewis Howes when he first started, like 2011, 2012, and I was like, that's such a great idea. Just have an iPad with questions and just scroll. Okay. And so that's what I do. I, I pick 10 really good questions. And I mean like questions that I've done my homework on. Like I look back and I see what did their mom's relationship mean to what they do now? Oh, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like connecting the emotional dots as to why the hell they get into whatever they're into. Now that's going to take some some digging. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and also I'll say it depends on the guest. I'm not going to name names. Like sometimes if I just know someone and I know their work, I probably won't prep for that hard. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll do like a two hour prep. Right. But um, somebody that I like really respect and I've never met them and I'm, I've like been following their work that could be a day that wow. could be like a day oh shit yeah. wow what did yeah. you uh did you what did you find out about justin <laughs> um he's a really romantic guy yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but he's also a warrior yeah. so he's like he's like half heart half sword wow yeah. See, he got that's all a, of that that's, a, yeah, that's, that's a great yeah. compliment couldn't, right be, there. couldn't be more wrong <laughs> 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 Dude, you just but don't I, know me, Sal. So all, all these years, you haven't figured that out. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think people Josh are Josh did his homework. I think people are hungry for both, though. I think people love like what you guys do so well is you just draw what's naturally there. And I think some people also like the research aspect, where it's like, well, you might miss that in this kind of an environment. Not to knock this environment because mm-hmm. this environment feeds people too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there is something to be said about that, right? Well, there definitely is. There's been many times where. I've interviewed someone. Interview went great, right? And I loved it. People loved it. Great, great feedback from it. But then there was a question that I knew I wanted to get to, and I never fucking did. And I'm like, God, that would feel been- like that after every podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I definitely can I can appreciate that side of the yeah. prep where you, you you're looking for these questions that you want to make sure you get out because uh, there's been more than a handful of times that's happened to us where yeah, it was a great interview. Yeah, lots of people enjoyed it, loved it. Yeah, they had a great experience. But there was a, that person is the person I want to hear talk about this one thing. Yeah. And I didn't give them that chance to do that. God damn it. So yeah. I, get I think you just got to know your strength. Uh, you know, our, that's not necessarily our strength. Our strength is conversational. And so we kind of play to that a little bit and, and, you know, play in that zone. We're comfortable with it. We feel we're at our best at it. But the other thing you want to consider was with podcasting, a lot of times when guests or on podcasts, it's because they've written a book or because they're talking about some research or, and they tend to do the circuit, right? They tend to go from podcast to podcast and everybody answers the same or asks the same questions. It's the same interview, each podcast. And I don't know about you, but I hate that when I see someone that 
I really respect. I'm like, oh shit, this person's getting interviewed. I can't wait to listen. And I listen to the interview. I'm like, fuck, that's everything I've always, I've, I've always heard them talk about. Yeah, I'd Sal, like to hear some different stuff. This is such a great point because I actually listen to shows and I pick out questions that I don't hear on purpose right. because I want to hear some new shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And act, if they send me questions, have your heads a PR person like send you questions? Like, would you ask our guests these questions? Yeah, oh, of course. No, I won't. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, and, and I'm going to read your book. I'm going to highlight parts that I think you were really vulnerable in. This is what people are hungry for, man. People want the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And they want it as much as possible because our world is filled with lies. Right. So <laughs> and more so, so than ever now right, yeah. with, with, with what we can do with Photoshop now and all this social media. Pl- you got an app now that can be- beautify the fuck out of you in five minutes. You could be ugly as shit. Five minutes later, you know you're fine they, as hell. You know what they app. have now? So I just uh, read a news article the other day where they have, uh, there's a couple of developers that are demonstrating that you can use CGI based off of someone's picture and make a video of that person look real and uh, make them say what you want. Yeah. So they did this with uh, Trump, o- right? Trump and yeah. Obama yeah. where they took them and it looks like it's really them and they're saying shit oh and it God. looks like they're talking. Who's to say they haven't had that the whole time? That's what? exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. Dude, think about this way. Stoner's heads just blew. Right? Meanwhile, they're off on some island golfing together. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. well, well, dude, ah, virtual me's got this. Imagine if you piss <laughs> off the wrong people and next thing you know, there's a video of you on camera talking about how you like to do right, some horrible right, shit. Right. Like, I didn't fucking say that but that's what it looks like wow crazy right you just uncovered a part of the onion that i don't think anybody's ever smelled right like that part <laughs> i don't know it i stinks. never even thought of that being a reality but now with technology that's a reality well and think how hard that will be yeah. to police that like how do you control that I don't know as fast can. as things go viral can, can you police that? Yeah. no i don't think you can because that's i mean if somebody leaked a video of uh, that looks spot on to donald trump sounds exactly like donald trump and you got him saying something like off the wall even crazier than anything he's already said before how quick when you drop that on maybe to, that's why he went so crazy you drop yeah. that on facebook <laughs> right yeah. and it, all of a sudden it goes well to not, a million only, not people. only that but how do you defend that if that's you that's on tv saying that stuff yeah you're gonna come out and say what that's not me it's a fake video yeah. that sounds like bullshit like nobody's gonna believe that and the people who have the capability of doing that well it's been released now but i guarantee you that that's existed for a little while. Okay, well, it's going to have to be Minority Report style. It's going to have to be thumbprint or, you know, retina on the eye. Maybe. To author, mm. to authenticate the video. Maybe. Right. But right. even that, I think you can fuck with. Crazy you know what I'm saying? Isn't it funny when- I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's like, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. It's funny yeah. when movies put stuff like that together, right? When you first watch, yeah. it's like, this is so crazy. And then as time goes by, you're like, oh shit, maybe this could happen. <laughs> what if there was precog for you getting fat? Like you could see a year down the road and be like, okay, I'm going to adjust oh, wow. it now. Yeah. And it was precog. I can do that. Water? Wow. I can do that. I can oh, do can. that. Yeah, yeah. Once oh. I meet someone, hang out with them for a second, I already know, right? Like, you're going to be fat. Interesting. Yeah, wow. I know right away you're going to be fat yeah. in the future. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty easy to predict. Do you have a jet, <laughs> have a jet pack as well? You can, like, fly in and see. <laughs> it's, pretty it's one of his carnival tricks. Yeah. Uh, you're fat. And I tell them yeah. that, too. Yeah. Like, 10 years, good now, you're fat. But you're going to be fat. Yeah. I don't actually do that. But, uh, yeah, it's very fascinating and very scary. Um, the, you know, the world that we live in, it's really a world. It, it's always been that way. Deceit's always been around. Yeah. I think it's just going to get much See, More Sal's creative. like my yang. Is that the the darker side? Because we were just talking all the positive benefits of, of technology, and then you you know take. But us we're in that early direction. in the game as far as health and fitness tech. Yeah, I think like from a morality place, fuck, hasn't the media always been controlled with either a good intention or a bad one? Totally, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, hundred uh, percent. Look up Operation Mockingbird. That's a real uh, CIA, uh, you know, plan to infiltrate the the media to use the media to get people to persuade them to vote. 
particular ways or act particular ways. This is these are real things. So it's definitely and it, it sucks when you go down this rabbit hole because then you don't trust anything mm. and you become this. And then weirdo. you believe in the flat Earth. Then you yeah. start exactly. And you start wearing a yeah. tinfoil hat and all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, literally, but te- technology represents. Uh, I mean, tech has been around since mankind has been able to put you know two rocks together to develop something. It's always been technology. It's power. And power can be used however you want, whether that's good or bad. I know it's always been that battle. You're a big tech. Have you read the book Irresistible yet? No, put but, that on your list. But I have read Inevitable by Kevin Kelly, which is the twelve forces that are going to power technology. Oh. That's on the list as well. Mm. But I love it, man. You have great book recommendations. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I know you'll enjoy it. Knowing what you're yeah. into, I think you'll dig yeah. that. That's, that's a pretty cool book and it's a challenge you're going on. Yeah, well, just to to think, and it's it's opened my own eyes about like, so there's a test in there that they tell you to do too, is just, and they, there's an app, I gotta, I'll look it up for the show notes, that tracks how many times you pick your phone up, and then how many times you're surfing, and that's not including phone calls, uh, or any of that, so it's like Facebook, Instagram, you know, you know, email stuff, surfing the web, yeah, and then track like, how many minutes a day do you think we spend actually doing that, and it's pretty fucking crazy i would think the data would be scary as shit it is scary because i i'll raise my hand and admit i check my phone all the time incessantly like if i'm oh, in yeah. line, i can't just stand in line and breathe mm-hmm. right but then sometimes i can and i'm like well what's the division between that is it my mindfulness okay well how do i grow mm. my mindfulness and i know how to do all these things but i believe that if we put something on the phone or tech mm-hmm. that would remind us to just be with ourselves like almost like a block where we give a password to a friend or yeah. i don't know some service would pay for us to not access the device that might be powerful too for mindfulness. Well, I think that's, mm-hmm. I think the, the, like apps like this, you're going to see more and more of this coming where people are going to realize that it is getting out of control and you don't even realize it. Like, and, and I love talking to guys that are our age because I feel like we, we've had the, we've, we were before and after. They, what do they call us? The, it's not the X generation or whatever they say that we, 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 we were, grew up analog and now we live digital or yeah. we were born analog, grew up digital. So we had both. We were able to experience both worlds. I think millennial is the most over-fucking-used term. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean anymore? Yeah. I'm 1980, mm. so essentially I'm like one foot millennial, one foot not. No, you're not. Millennials, no, 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 we're not. No. Bro, we're not, not millennial. We're not? Okay. No. no, no, we're no. not. We're Am I just hanging category. on to that? Yeah, you are. Yeah. No, you're Get not millennial. Millennial is not till uh, 80... Six? Nine? No, it's like later eighties. Like yeah. almost, yeah. Millennials later twenties, kids. Yeah, yeah. You're you're eighty. Oh, wow. If you're low eighties or seventies, you're definitely uh, considered Generation X. No, no, no. Right. It's after Generation X. It's in between Generation X and the one afterwards, which I can't. I think is Generation Y. No, mm-hmm. Y is the youngest right now. Okay. Y is the youngest. Then you so have so it goes X us, which we were in between uh, Millennial and then Y. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we we grew up without any of that stuff. What's most fascinating about it is when you look at the quickness by which uh, technology got uh, adapted or adopted by the world. And what I mean by it is uh, internet, social media, cell phones, and that kind of 24-hour connectiveness. It went from none to everyone so fast. Facebook just hit 2 billion users the other day. That's almost a third of the world population on Facebook. That's one social media platform. So in the book, they get into what is scary about this is that we only have about 10 years of tracking we don't know what the long-term effects are this and they do a lot of crazy comparisons 
to drug addiction. The way that you get this endorphin rush when you get a like or a new person who adds to you or somebody t- talks about you or tags you, we get the every time you you open that and you see that on Facebook or on Instagram, mm-hmm. you get this release and this rush and you and they were engineered. So these these tools, these apps were engineered to do that, to get you addicted to it. And we are definitely seeing that these that we are. And when I really if I if I have some real true perspective and detach myself from the day to day and and think about, okay, what was I doing 10 years ago compared to now? And this tool that I now have in my pocket that I'm always attached to, I didn't even have that 10 years ago. And I had my life was fine, you know, and I'm not somebody who's anti-technology because I love tech and I love where we're going. But I am also need to be aware of the dangers of it. Just like I'm, I'm also somebody who's pro drugs too. I'm like, so I think that <laughs> pro drugs. No, I am. I don't. I don't. Everybody think, do drugs. I think. Hey, I think that. Uh, I think it's silly drugs. how we have the, the Dare program when we were younger and you were scared to death. Like oh I, yeah. You know, like I think. I think there should be more education around drugs. Just like there should be more education around this, and that's. It's more like this. Okay, listen. Uh, there's lots of cool things about this and you can have a great time with this and it's awesome and it, there's lots of benefits but then it also can become very addicting because of that and then be, become aware of that so the book dives into it and it draws a lot of parallels to to what we what we know about the the behavior addiction with drugs and what they're seeing with uh, people being addicted to these apps and games and all this stuff that we are now staring into a screen all well, day long. I'm just imagining like a guy in a trench coat, like you know, you want your cell phone back or you want some drugs? Yeah. Right. I, I saw a commercial like that. Really? Where it was like a montage of what would happen if like all the apps went away and there was like a black market for you using your phone, of course, for like a drug hit. Yeah. Because look at the biology of our limbic brain; it oh, thrives yeah. off of novelty. Yeah. Like panic, right? So right. the limbic the brain, we are old software, and this is brand fucking new, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so, so that's the reality novel. of where so, we're at. And now, novelty yeah. does what, right? Bright it's colors, the, novelty stimulates dopamine. Of course, that's that's what gets drives us to seek more of it out and to get more and more novelty. What is one of the hallmarks of anxiety? Dopamine minus serotonin minus oxytocin. It's just dopamine. Just constant levels of dopamine does is connected to higher rates of anxiety and the fastest growing and now I believe the number one diagnosed uh, uh, disorder among people is anxiety. It's never been that way before, but anxiety is, it's this epidemic that no one's talking about right now. And I think- I'm talking about it. Are you? Hell yeah. Yeah. I I think it's 100% connected to the fact that we are never alone like we used to be. Like it's always something, even, you know, work, you leave work, your email, your phone- your social media, you're talking to people, you're constantly turned on all the time and we don't have that, there's no balance and so we develop these anxious disorders and I think the future of health uh, is going to rest on being able to manage a lot of that and also manage the the psyche that goes uh, along with that and then things tend to fall fall in place. Dude, this is so powerful. Yeah. That's such a powerful topic. Well, you know, it's funny, uh, I actually talked about this on a previous podcast where I I speculated, I made a comment like, um, you know, I would love to see a group of people who are told to uh, have a mindfulness practice, whether that's meditation or, you know, whatever, and another group who is given a diet and then a control group. And I'd be interested to see who actually succeeds uh, in terms of uh, health and fat loss and stuff like that. There actually was a study that they did that with, and the mindfulness group had better fasting glucose and better results in terms of nutrition because they were able to kind of dive into the root of the problem. Because I think we think the root of the problem to poor health 
is our the actions that we take. So like, why do I? Why am I obese? Why am I? Why do? Why does someone have heart disease? Why sure. is someone? They're eating horribly and they're not moving. Yes, those are definitely causing those issues. But what is the root behind the eating poorly? The root behind lack of activity. That's the thing that no one's looking at, and uh, that's probably why we're failing miserably at addressing those issues. Man, this is why it's thought, then feeling, then action, either healthy or unhealthy. But it's the thought, and then below, that's the belief, right? So it's like, hey, what is our society enforcing as far as a belief? What do people believe right now? Do people believe that, like, things are possible or not? And that's the narrative that this social media feeds all the time. This is what's going on. This is people that are dying. This is people that are being assaulted. This is what you should be scared of. Don't eat coconut oil. Look at this fire. Look what's going on in Tasmania. Ah, it's like constantly, right? So, so, so that's sparking that belief constantly. Are you are you familiar with the author uh, Eckhart Tolle? Yeah. Okay. So I'm reading one of my his voice books. just got deep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like reading that sometimes. It hits me. Feels. I like, I like so uh, um, but I'm reading his book right now, A New Earth, and he talks about uh, pain body, and this is uh, a form of your ego that thrives off of uh, pain uh, and drama and. Um, you know, issues, problems, causing problems. And the collective pain body is when you have the, you know, like a, like, uh, you know, the country of America has pain bodies uh, dealing with the, the issues of slavery and some of the stuff that we've done in our past. And other countries have their own pain bodies. But he talks about how our pain body, all of the forms of our ego seeks out uh, food. It needs to be fed in order to live. And our pain body loves drama. It loves bad news. It loves hearing bad shit. And if you watch the news, it's 99% bad shit, 1% good stuff. And remember, yeah. we're the drivers of media. So if we consume, what we consume is what they'll produce. And when we get angry at the media for feeding that shit, it's on us. We're the ones that are consuming it. And it's all of us that are just, we thrive on all of this bad energy all the time. It's this mm. collective insanity. And it sucks you in. How addicting is this? Gay Hendricks talks about this. We can become addicted to these stories. Like constantly, right? And they just feed our whole life path. And then, of course, that's reinforced by the media. So now what? What you guys are doing and what good podcasts are doing, great podcasts are doing, is talking about a new narrative of what's possible instead of what's dramatic. Right. Like, like can we get addicted to, like, Positive News Network? <laughs> is, right. is that possible? Yeah. I think I, it is. Yeah. I believe yeah. I believe we will head that way. And I believe, but unfortunately, like, what it takes for us as a society, I feel like we have to kind of hit rock bottom first. Yeah. So I think... Mm. Where we're heading with tech addiction is we still got a ways to go before we start seeing some really bad shit and we have enough data for the over 10, 15, 20 years. We go, oh shit, this is fucking some lives up right here. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do this. And then the pendulum will start to swing back the other way. And then you'll see companies like I like to believe and I like to believe that we're ahead of the curve with stuff like that. We we are planning for the future with where where mind pump is our message. We knew it's not sex. We knew it wasn't sexy. We knew that we weren't going to compete with some of the companies right now with the way they market themselves. Like we can't do that, like because it's it's a total different message. So that's one of the greatest challenges that we're in right now is you know how do we continue to scale this business, uh, knowing that the that we're not ready yet. I know we're. I mean, I think we're ready because I I know this message needs to get out. But are we really though as a whole? When you look at the, I mean, we talk to the collective. Is the collective ready? Right. Yeah, I think they are on a subconscious level. Yeah. I think we all are. Don't we all know when we just like someone existential energy? We just know like, oh, I like that person. That person's truthful. And then we know when someone's full of shit. Right. So I think there are people that know what you're saying is true and they want it. But there's a fear narrative right now that says, oh, that's not possible. Right. And so good outlets like yours, like this is why it's such a big deal. Mm. And I think this is why also a podcast is growing. 
Right. People are hungry for this, right? And they yeah. want to get it everywhere they go. Yeah. But, you know, they, but they don't know. They, they just find themselves drawn to it, but they're not quite sure why, right. yeah. which I find very fascinating. I'll tell you what, um, having kids is a blessing in many different ways. But one of the ways it's a blessing is it's so hard to be objective about yourself. Like it's very difficult for me to observe what happens to me when I'm too connected to social media, when I'm too addicted to it, when I'm on my phone all the time, when I'm, you know, not connecting to other people. It's very hard to do to, to be objective about that, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy for me to observe my kids. Very easy to, for me to see what happens. And I'll tell you what, I have two ki- two young kids and I can clearly see a change in their personality and behavior when they're on their iPads or on their phones or watching YouTube or whatever for longer than like 40 minutes. Yeah. It is clear as day. I'll take them on a vacation somewhere and we'll have no electronics and they're different children within two or three days. Yeah. But there's a withdrawal period that they go through. Well, <laughs> we had the same thing with TV and, you know, like there's been a history of like new novel things that like kids get like super sucked into and that's totally something that we are going to, it's going to be a challenge going forward with like removing that and because they're going to get it in school you know there's no more paper everything is on the ipad everything is on the phone so it's like to not address it and 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 pull it away from them it's great i think like my battle with that is to you know keep it out of their it's not a necessity that they need right now you know as long as possible if they don't need it if it's not something that they're using at school yet you know let's let's try and get you to play and be a normal kid and and get outside and be active here's a here's a high thought for you what if (laughs) what what if what if what if we're wrong and that's actually the natural progression and evolution of how the, how the future us is supposed to be. And we're those of us that are trying to be disconnected are yeah. the old barnacles, and those of those course, that are on the the forward thinkers are like, why we need to become yeah. more connected because I can multitask and do all these other things yeah. and become more of like one. And maybe our brain we're, just isn't ready. Maybe we're maybe we're resisting it. Maybe we're the rebellion, and uh, we shouldn't be. Maybe we're supposed to be getting more connected and sucked. To turn into Darth Vader. I think. Think about that for yeah. a minute. I think it's kind of a scary thought, though. Yeah. Right. Think about it for a minute. Like, even if that's true, I, I don't want that it to be goes true. To the hive right. mind. Because I know what would happen to our morality and to our quality of life, man. It would erode like a cliff. Hmm. Like, how fun would life be if everything was connected to everything else and there was never any separation? You say that, but you guys see the new movie mm. that's coming out with Steven Spielberg? No. Oh, player one. I saw that. Oh, I saw that. I'm gonna check it out. Think of the, think of the, 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 and you see it, and the just the preview made my wheels like start spinning. Like that's that's, what, that's, that's the future. That's what you said. It's the evolution that we're resisting. It's the inevitable evolution. So this is what yeah. this is what sparked this conversation for me was that I just saw that preview and I thought, fuck, man, what if it is like that? And they make it sound so cool because. The, the virtual reality world, we can do things that we can't do here. We could re- take risks with our lives inside this connected world, and it's so real well, your body deteriorates. Because of where science is, mm. you feel like it's real, but the beauty of it is we, you and I could be race car, racing Lamborghinis on sides of cliffs, and you push me off, and then it just blows up, and then I wake back up. But I felt like the experience, like yeah. I was really there doing that. Talk about a fucking rush, Well, now, now we're going down That's an Avatar. ultimate wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Because, because Here we what, go. what is Avatar. really conscious. You did it. Right? You're yeah. talking about you know, my consciousness. And in, in a big way, mind pump, wellness force, it's consciousness rising up. So is consciousness present when you're in that simulation where you're driving and crashing? I think it's still present. Hmm. Uh, I, I think, think consciousness is always present. I think if we take it to the next yeah. level, what's the ultimate progression of that? Let's say that they, they do come out with technology that lets you plug in and experience 
games and you're playing things and you're living these things out and then you can unplug and then what's the next progression of that when you that gets boring when that gets when you get sick and tired of that when you want the next thrill the next progression the next natural progression is to plug in and forget that you're plugged in to actually think you're in real life <laughs> which would which would resemble we're going deep which would resemble which is what we're in right now the simulation well, theory which ah. would, would a, resemble what we yeah. have thought to be or thought of what the and tried to fathom or con- put together in our minds right what what heaven would be like this this fantasy of every day i could do whatever i wanted yeah. to whatever level to whatever no. stream with no fear mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like that is is that the the most ultimate piece and are, are we evolving in that direction and are we just fighting it dude isn't that what we're all trying so to do digital aren't we all trying to operate <laughs> you know I mean? every single day from just a place of love yeah right like you're saying right so we're, we're all doing our very best to make this heaven on earth how do we become great at it i think uh one of the first things we need to do is become uh much more aware and not i stop identifying with our thoughts and what we think because uh that is uh your your thoughts can fool you um they can make you believe that you're anxious when you're not they can make you feel worse when you don't feel bad you know i had a, a conversation with a client uh the other day and she was telling me about how um, she had a real tough day the other day because she was really craving this cookie at a party and she didn't want to eat it. And um, and she stressed over it. I said, why are you stressing over it? She said, well, because I wanted it, but I couldn't have it. And I said, well, you can have it if you want to. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, if you want, you can have it. You chose not to have the cookie. The, the creation that the, in your mind, the illusion that you can't have it is what's giving you that problem, what's giving you that stress. Then we went a step further and she said, well, I have this craving. I said, well, what's a craving? How is it different from hunger? And she tried to explain it to me and I said, what's wrong with feeling a craving and why are you running from that? It's really about awareness. I'm using a simple example in fitness because that's what we work in, but I think when we can start uh, understanding that we are the observer behind the thoughts, then a lot of our issues will will go away. But once we become our thoughts and we become what we think and who we think we are, mm. that's when we get a lot of these problems. Because really, if you look around at the problems that plague mankind, hey, let's, you know what, let's, let's, take, let's make it simple. Because we're, we're all in the fitness realm, let's talk about fitness and health, okay? You're obese. You know what you need to do. Why aren't you doing it? It's very simple, right? But it's not easy. Why is that? Because we are not understanding that we're the observer behind those thoughts. We're identifying with these thoughts. And you can have all the information in the world uh, telling you how you should eat and what you should do. But if you don't understand that you're the observer behind those thoughts, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work for you. It's going to be very short term. And so I think that, and obviously we're talking very esoteric with my speak now, but I think until humans can get to that point, it's always going to be a problem. We're going to kill each other over, you know, artificial, you know, fake lines in the sand. And we're going to fight over resources when we have plenty um, we're going to do a bunch of crazy shit that doesn't make any sense. Could you imagine an alien species coming down and analyzing mankind? They'd look at us and be like, wow, they're suffering from collective insanity. Yeah. They yeah. did not realize that they could all just be cool. There's levels to this, though. <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of levels to this and a lot of layers. It's not, I don't think, I mean, when Sal says it, he says it uh, so eloquently, right? And it, it rolls off so nice. And it's like, yeah, just fucking ask yourself why yeah. you know what i'm saying but what i have found is every you know you got to get through those layers and if and just keep asking yourself why and that's for everything right why do i want to look this way why do i want to feel this way what is it why 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 and eventually you'll start to get to the root of it right because it, it's not what you think it is most people think it's like oh because i have this wedding in mm. in 6 months like that's why you want to get in shape no think why does why do you care about the way you look 
going to that wedding. Well, look what at all like these motivational speakers, like your Tony Robbins, and like how quickly they can cut into a lot of people's like issues where they just you you say something and then he just asks you why. Whose love did you want it, more, your mom's or your dad's? Right. Yeah. And people just and get why? paralyzed. Yeah, and then it right. just keeps going and going and going, and then these people just. They they can find that 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 thing that that is driving their all of their thoughts and their their focus. It's it's really interesting. And, and normally we find out that the the motives are unhealthy when mm-hmm. we really dig deep and we find out why I want to look or feel this certain way. Normally the 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 motives are not right, and that's where you need to get where you need to do the work. It's not so much the exercise or the eating piece; it's the relationship with yourself. And so we talk mm-hmm. about this all the time that it's working on the relationship with yourself, then working on the relationship with food, and then you work on the relationship with exercise. And in that order, like you have to first work on your relationship with yourself. How do you view yourself and why do you view yourself that way? And then you work your way over to food because I think that's the other thing. People look at food and they go, oh, I can't have this. Like Sal was saying, that's going to make me fat. Like, no, mm. cookies don't make people fat. That's not how that works. But why do you why do you identify with cookies make you fat like that? Why is that? You know, and, and diving into that to get them to help start to look at their relation with food. When you start to connect those dots, then you can start connecting the dots of how you feel when you eat certain ways, right? So when you when I eat really healthy, it's amazing. I sleep better. I have more energy. My skin is better. I'm in a better mood. I feel stronger in the gym. But you can't do that until you break through these layers, right? So that's we talk a lot about this on the show, but it's, a lot of people, I think, are on the first layer, and you got to kind of get through each one before you get to this point where eventually we're intuitive eating, right? And we're intuitive training. You're, you're doing what's best for your body because you want to do what's best for it. Along, vessel, right? along those lines of, in, of being intuitive with your food, um, you know, this kind of dawned on me a while ago. And since then, it's now been confirmed by other professionals in the, in the fitness sphere who I respect uh, greatly. And uh, a long time ago, um, I examined the, the advice to drink tons of water. Uh, from the fitness industry, we love to tell people drink tons of water all the time. That's drink and just a really, blanket general statement. Really, yeah. what the advice w- supposed to come from was don't drink drink anything but water. But then it turned into drink lots of water, and somehow mm-hmm. that's magic. And people would ask me how much water I should drink, and I dived into it, and I realized that your body's uh, thirst signals, when they're accurate, when you know how to read them, are very accurate. They're very very. They will tell you when you need water. This is true for hunger, and this is true for cravings for the types of foods you should eat. And so when you throw everything off by ignoring signals, by being in an environment that's uh, you know tons of electronic uh, light all the time, so you don't understand the circadian rhythm is off, by being uh, constantly in these low, moderate levels of stress, by uh, not paying attention to signals that your body's telling you and considering them normal, like I'm always bloated, I always have gas, I always have you know, heartburn, uh, th- my skin issues are just, that's just the way I am, it's genetic. By the way, genetics is one of the worst things, we, best and worst things we've ever discovered. It's great because we've learned so much about ourselves and it's horrible because it's given people a wonderful excuse for mm-hmm. yeah. everything, right? Yeah. Um, it's it depends not working for me. It, it depends genetics. on how you, there's always a duality, man. Always, right? right? So you look at genetics and it's a science that can transform health through knowledge, but then also people can use it as an excuse to be just like their parents. That's right. right. Well, so what do you choose? Well, I Which just got, I just got a message literally uh, an hour ago from someone on Instagram who uh, she just listened to episode, I think 568, where I talk about how the connection between diet and acne and how I said, you'll be hard pressed to find a dermatologist that will tell you that your food intake has anything to do with acne or skin issues. Most of them will say, no, there's no connection whatsoever. This lady had had eczema since she was 10 years old. 
And every single dermatologist and doctor she'd been to had said, food has nothing to do with it. Here's these steroid creams. Here's these, these pills. And that's all you can do. She listened to our episode, did some things with her diets. Uh, for her, ketogenic diet uh, was the thing that worked. She went ketogenic. Eczema gone for the first time since she was 10 years old wow. in her entire life. And again, these are signals that we're not, we're ignoring, but not purposefully because we never learned how to read we're them. Unaware. The, we've never learned how to read them in the first place. Once you understand and learn how to read them, the reason why intuitive eating is so easy is because then you can just listen to your body and your body evolved these systems to prevent you because I think a lot of us are in the, we have the misconception that these signals of our body is to drive us to eat as much food as possible, which is false. This is false because eat too much at one sitting and you get sick, you mess up your gut. Um, and if you eat too much, you also get sick over a period of time. We know this, we see it all the time. These are signals that we evolved with, and these signals of our body will tell us when we're eating too little, when we're eating too much, what we need to eat, and when we need to eat. When we need to eat. These, that's, how, that's literally how accurate your body can be if it's in balance. Because it's out of balance, and these signals are all over the fucking place, you can be as conscious as you want about what you need to eat. You know, Okay, my, my first meal is this, and these are my macros, and you ain't going to win. You're going to be fighting signals that are telling you to do different, and they're all whacked, and you're, you're, you can't read them. You don't know what's going on. People will get cravings for, look, if you have a nutrient deficiency, give yourself a magnesium or calcium deficiency and watch what you crave. You'll be, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. You'll crave flavors that correlate to calcium and magnesium. You might not get them because now those flavors correlate to other things. Like, for example, sweet doesn't necessarily mean vitamin C anymore, but it used to. It used to mean vitamin C. It used to mean that there's nutrients in this food that's sweet, and so I know when I'm craving these types of things, but it doesn't happen anymore. It's all over the place, and our body doesn't know how to read half the signals that we send it. I can eat a food that's got a mixture of salty, sweet, and fat, and this hyper-palatable food that never would have existed in nature. Chocolate-covered pretzels. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, right? Inner fat kid alert. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so then the reset oh, becomes right. how do we emotionally and physically reset ourselves? You could do it through a Vipassana. You could do it through a training program. Everyone needs a reset from time to time. Step Every one. human being. My yeah. advice is yeah. step one is uh, fix your sleep. If you, if you don't fix your sleep, uh, you're going to have a tough time handling anything else. Yeah. That's number one. Uh, quality and quantity are both important and it starts with you got to treat your sleep like you would treat anything else in your life that's extremely important you treat it with uh, you prepare for it you have a routine you treat it with respect you don't just crash a lot of people also confuse sleeping hard with sleeping well sometimes you sleep hard because you're so exhausted that you just pass out I mean I could give you you know I could give you anesthesia that'll make you pass out but you're not going to wake up and have you know, be re-rested, yeah. you know, same thing with sleeping pills. Right? This is, this is, this is why people thing. do so much hard sedatives because they just can't go to sleep otherwise. Why do, why do so many people pound beers to go to bed? Right. It's because their life is just completely out of whack. Look, our body's giving us clues all the fucking time. Right. So your body is going to tell you like, hey, you're exhausted today or you're not having a good relationship today. So the only way it's going to course correct is by you taking time out. And unfortunately, unless you're self-aware, which you've talked a hell of a lot about, you're not going to take the time out. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of parents that might be listening are like, well, yeah, we can't take the time out. We have kids. I bet you if you looked at your life and you were honest and took a real inventory, you could partition resources if it was meaningful enough for you to do so. Oh, well, you and I know this for sure. I know you guys all know because we've all been trainers. So we've all been combination of all of us in here. I'm sure it's been thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people that we've actually touched as far as lives. Always 
everybody that's ever sat in front of me and said, Adam, I don't have enough time to work out. I just, I can only got this much time. And once I showed them how to make it a part of their life, they all say the same thing afterwards. Like, oh my God, it's like I have more time in the day now. It's because yeah. you become more productive. When, yeah. you, when, you're, when your body is healthy and yeah. you're taking care of it. You want to move. You become so much more efficient. Like, and it's crazy how much more efficient. It's not like a little bit. This is another thing too. We talk about this. How many people think that they they feel good like their 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 meter is so off because they don't know what great feels like yeah. feeling good for them is them continuing to feel their body with shit always being deprived of certain nutrients being numb yeah, yeah not basically. not exercising the body they're they've gotten to, they know how to feel good with their their habits that they've been doing for 10 plus years so in their mind they're good but they don't they've never felt great and once you once you show them great and they feel great it's like Oh shit! Mo- most I'm people, great. I'm getting way more done. Most people are just—they're just numb. They're just—they're so. There's a difference between not being dead and being alive. There's a very, very big difference. One is very active, and one is just—I'm not dead. There's a lot of numbing going on with people. A lot of numbing with medications. A lot of distracting uh, because—and uh, they don't know why. That's the thing too. If you ask them, is they don't know why. They don't know why they feel the way they do. I mean, let's be honest. We live in the most plentiful time in all of human history. We have solved the major stresses and killers that we've dealt with and yet uh people are unhappy that's got to be that's crazy to me you know, you've got someone come you know i talk to people who are miserable and depressed who have you know 10 pairs of shoes and a closet full of clothes and have never known what it's like to not have food for more than a week and yeah. have you know they have a roof over the head but why are they so unhappy and they don't know why and i and and we need to help people figure that out and i think that's that's part of becoming aware in terms of Finding the time for these things, I'll tell you what, if you were an investor with money and I told you for every $5 you gave me, I'd give you $10 back, how much of your money would you give me? All of it. Every time you gave me five bucks, I'm giving you 10 bucks. You're going to give me all your money because you're going to make, okay, that's what being mindful and that's what exercise does for your life. For every hour that you put into it, you will get two hours back. So for however much time you think you don't have, the reality is it will create more time for you in better productivity, better quality of life, more energy. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, in, in fact, the most successful people in the world will attribute much of their success to being good at those things, to being good at uh, being mindful, to being good at being consistent with exercise. We're talking about Tony Robbins. That's one of the things he talks about mm-hmm. is his fitness regime. It's a very, very important part of his life. He mm-hmm. has made that a life practice. That, that like feels good for him to do. Mm-hmm. He's become in love with the process. It's, it's, there's a goal-oriented approach. You have a goal. You have to get to the goal to be happy, or you be happy along the way. Yeah, yeah. Because being well, happy along the way is alchemist. the only way, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, you're just punishing yourself. Which I mean, I just feel like a lot of people fall into that trap of, uh, you know, you mentioned these people that like have certain things like cookies. Like this becomes something that's going to make me fat, and you know, and and I'm going to punish myself for devouring this and, and having that weak moment. Um, and same thing with exercise where, you know, I'm looking at exercises, a way to, uh, rid myself of all these evil sins that I did, you know, throughout the day, or it's just this weird mentality. We, we, we want to punish ourselves. We want to be hard on ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, instead of really just charging ourselves up and, and working out in a way where it's really just, it's, it's building this energy. It's building this extra movement throughout the day that is contagious. Like it makes me want to move more. Here's what we have to do. If we want to make a true impact on, uh, on total health and wellness in, you know, Western societies or in the world is it has to become a part of the culture. If it doesn't become a part of the culture, it's gonna be very, very difficult. 
if you go to China um, and you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and you go out to the parks that are out there, and this is in communist China, by the way, uh, remarkable that the communist regime didn't re eliminate this from people's lives. You will see thousands of people doing Tai Chi mm -hmm. every single morning. It is a part of their culture. Many of them do it because it's part of the culture, not yeah, realizing. You could learn a lot from that. Not, oh my God. Man. I'm imagine everybody dude, doing that. I'm visualizing all the runners. What are the most face common facial expressions of runners? They're like grimacing. <laughs> they're not yeah. loving running. Oh God, no. just, it's, uh, it's like, it's like you life. said, man, it's like punishing themselves. Mm -hmm. So how do we make exercise fun and enjoyable? Everyone's got their own flavor. It's making that container open so they can step in. It's, it's got to become a part of the culture to where, yeah. oh man, I just had a hard day of work. I can't wait to go do yoga. Instead of I'm gonna go get that you know crack open a beer yeah. or drink some. Well, wine I talk about this beer. on the show all yep. the time that it, the wrong people are doing the wrong things, right? So it's always the opposite. Some of the because I do believe there, there's a place for beast mode. There's a there's a place for intensity. There's a place for pushing yourself. You went through Mark Devine's thing. There's yeah. a place for that. There's huge psychological benefits that you get from that. But it's funny the people that gravitate mm -hmm. towards those punishing type workouts and punish themselves are the ones that are punishing themselves all day at work. Already, super yeah. high stress, super hard on themselves, and then they go to their workout that is reflecting the way they yeah. fucking live their life 24-7. Those people don't need, those need to be meditating. Mm. And then you got the meditating guys, you got the yoga guys, that all they do is the yoga, and they fall over. yoga yeah. smoke weed, and chill, and they're, <laughs> they're never out of that state. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you need a little bit of fucking My intensity. You need, to be a little, you need a little beast yeah. mode you, in your you life. You get to go to 20X, right? Yeah, Put yeah. down the green juice. Right, Let right. Let me show you this pull-up bar. For, yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. funny. We we want to. It's something as 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 humans we tend to do is we like gravitate to these these boxes. Everybody, we want to put ourselves in a box in a category, and it's like, you know, I, I identify with this group of people, and so I'm going to do these things, and we're not yeah. into those things, and those aren't. This is against what we believe in and what we say, and this is the stuff that we do, and you don't venture out of that, and it's crazy because. Yeah, there's lots of benefits that you may see f for this running or this yoga or whatever it may be, but you know it's amazing how much the body needs these little stressors all the time, and good and bad ones, right? Sometimes it's it's completely meditating, floating like mm -hmm. we did today, and then other times it's going to like a Mark Divine thing and stressing that. I think we get so comfortable in our boxes, yeah. we don't want to venture outside of them. Yeah, and especially in in immediate gratification society, uh, delayed gratification is an art form. It's an art form that not a lot of people practice. And so how do we practice that? You could do the 20X. You could also do a Vipassana. You could also be on a podcast. I mean, there's many ways to push your edge, right? Right. So how do you guys push your edge right now? Like what's your biggest edge that you're working on in your life? Is it business? Is it, I know for Justin, we talked about, it was like meditation. Right. Um, for me, meditation it's finding that balance. Like maybe when I heard you talk about the 20X, I am that guy that kind of punishes himself, right? Mm -hmm. I work my ass off. I go to the 20X. I was laughing as you were talking. <laughs> it's, it's so true, man. Right. right, right? And right. so like meditation for me is also big. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm curious about all three of you. Mm. Like what's the edge right now? Uh, for, for me right now. So for most of my life, I've not enjoyed... Um, being in nature, I've never, I've never enjoyed uh, taking adventures where I don't know necessarily where I'm going and things aren't planned out. Uh, I have a bad sense of direction, always fear getting lost. I was never the guy that take my shoes and socks off out in the forest and feel the ground. Um, and lately, um, that has been the focus of what I um, have been trying to work on 
because, and I'm going to be quite honest, the person that I started dating uh, somebody and like what happens a lot of times when men fall in love with a girl is they do shit they don't want to do because they like the girl, right? <laughs> so she takes yeah, me yeah. on this uh, on this road trip and we end up kayaking on Lake Tahoe and we're supposed to kayak to a camping ground and we got lost on Lake Tahoe in a kayak with our camping gear and ended up kayaking for something like eight or nine miles. And this is totally out of my comfort zone. Like I wouldn't be caught dead on dead in the water on a kayak in the middle of a lake, let alone trying to find somewhere to go to then camp or whatever. And uh, it was miserable for me. But afterwards, I remember feeling something different. Um, I felt this sense of uh, like, man, I could really do something like, you know, I could really do that. Like this isn't that big of a deal. It was tough, but I did it. And then I noticed the, uh, just the rejuvenating effects of being out in a lake and having nothing else but just me and other person in nature. And so now I've started seeking that out. Now I'll take my shoes and socks off and walk barefoot on a trail or I'll put my feet in a creek or I'll sit and just with no one around me and just listen and feel. I would have never done that a million, never done that a million years. If you had asked me that. Why is that your edge? Yeah, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Uh, It's my edge now because it it is really taking me to the next level. And now there's a problem with that and that is that I don't want to identify with it making me better because then I'm going to do it like I treat other things in my life. Like I'm not going to go out and be like, I'm going to go do nature real hard. I'm going to go nature the fuck out of this. I'm going to nature Nature this shit. I'm just trying to observe. I'm trying to be aware of the benefits and just be in the moment. It really puts me in the moment. I went hiking the other day and um, we were at Castle Rock, which is a great, uh, great spot up in the Santa Cruz mountains. And there's a couple trails you can get real high and you can sit on the edge of like a cliff and you can see all of Santa Cruz, uh, Santa Cruz Mountains. Now, ten years ago, I would have never, I wouldn't have stepped ten foot, ten feet away from a, a cliff off of an edge or whatever. I would have been too like, like too anxious. But I actually, sat on the edge of it and let my feet dangle off the edge of it, and uh, I just closed my eyes for for I don't know, probably 10, 15 minutes. And um, I'm getting things out of it that I'd never thought I, that I never got from pretty much anything else. So right now, that's kind of the the area that I'm seeking, and I mm. think that's giving me an edge. It's giving me better ideas. It's helping me work uh, more uh, more productively, not necessarily harder, but more more productive. Um, and I feel more connected to my children. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a huge boost to pretty much everything. I think uh, we're all kind of similar with the present message i think and i think it's because of our business right like Mm -hmm. this is this is my first business i turned on my instagram and my facebook with the intention to build a business around it so i was not a social media guy i wasn't uh, i didn't care to do that stuff i've always been a active outdoor nature sports like i've always been that guy right i was always playing basketball or football or wakeboarding or snowboarding like those i was into things like that and i never cared to sit on social media and i never cared about trying to get more friends on facebook like none of that stuff mattered to me um i had my friends but when i started this business i i started it with the intention of uh, you know, like, okay, we're going to build this, this business around. And at that time, I didn't know what it was. It ended up pivoting over to these guys and mind pump. But I did start my social media with the intent of turning it into this business because I have someone who I'd met at that time, who Taylor, who you actually just met. He has a, a pretty cool story on how we met and how this all happened. And so I've watched myself over the last four years be consumed by the social media by my phone by the web i've never i was never into it like i am now and of course i have justified it because it's my business my livelihood now 
And so it's been really easy to do that. While I've been doing that, I've watched my relationships uh, start to suffer. And it's it's starting to suffer from people that matter a lot to me. You know, my girl who's been with me for over six years, she's been with me through multiple businesses. So she's seen me do something that's totally not even related to, you know, social media and then watch me do that and see what a difference. So she'd probably be a great person to talk to and ask what that was, what it's been like. And I've gotten my obviously feedback from her. We have a, we communicate very well. And I know that I have a hard time being present with with people that I'm with. Now, that's part of why I love this podcast because it forces me to be present and we get to know each other and we're talking. But outside of here, yeah, it's really easy for me to grab my phone and start answering emails or messages on social media, whatever. So that has been something that I have been working on. And I've actually, I've, I'm doing certain things with certain people in my life. So like I have like my, my moms and I say moms cause I, I, I refer to my two best friends. Moms is like my moms too. And my own mom and then my dad. And then I've got my aunt and uncle. And then I've got my, uh, my girl at home and all of them I feel have suffered and they all mean a lot to me. And so there's little things that I've started to do to, to create habits, to make sure that I stay connected. And I never thought that I'd have to do that. Like it was not, like for me to work on relations. I'm a very outgoing guy, personable. I've, I'm very with all my friends. I've always been uh, somebody you could reach out, talk to. I'm always there for everybody. But to see me start to disconnect because of the business, it's forced me to really look at my habits and my patterns, and then start to put things in place to counter that. And I'll give you an example with like Katrina, something that's really changed uh, the landscape of our relationship since this business has started we read together uh, once a month, we knock a book out. And I started at the beginning of the year. So every month we knock out a new book, we pick it together and then we listen to it on audible. And that if I knock a book out that requires me to put X amount of hours in, and that's how I figured that out. It's like, okay, let's set a goal. Uh, that's realistic. Cause obviously if I was trying to crank out one a week, I know I would never ma- maintain that pace with everything I have on my plate, but I know I could knock a book out with her. Like, that means we set aside a few hours a week, every week to listen to this audio book together. And, you know, what it's done is been pretty incredible. Not only are we growing and are we learning together, but then it also strikes up a great dialogue, you know? So afterwards we have these crazy in-depth conversations that remind me of when I first met her six years ago. So that's just one thing that I've started to do. Uh, and for me, it's, that's been weighing on me a lot is becoming more present with the people that I love and I care about because it's really easy for us to become consumed by mm. these tools. You know? That was so powerful because it's exactly how we started this podcast <laughs> yes. with your core lesson. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, like I'm, I'm getting so many mirrors from what you just said, man, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm in the thrush of building my business right now. And I actually, my greatest edge is scheduling fun and scheduling connection. That's my greatest edge right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because that's what gives me all the positive biology chemicals that, chemicals that my logical brain knows are important. But, um, but it's also like we go through seasons in life sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you need to build a castle right? Right. <laughs> and it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But then having that, that awareness, like you have, um, that's really where I find myself now. It's like, how do I build a business in a strong castle, but also not lose my emotional health and presence along the way? 
Like, what does that look like? It, yeah, I tell you what, and this that's where is, I'm at. I, I attribute yeah. a lot of that for me uh, to Katrina because I've relied on her to be patient with me and to give to be that person to give me to be that mirror to give me that feedback. Because at the very beginning of this, I remember looking at her and saying, like, I know I'm not going to be the best man I can be right now because I know that I'm going to sacrifice a lot of our just the year before we started this. Her and I uh, really didn't work for almost a year, and we traveled like we traveled. So it was fucking incredible. So imagine having a year like that. That that was like became the norm. Like every month we were going somewhere. Went from summer to like a hard winter. Right. right exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Winter is coming for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what what happened. And imagine what a shock that was for her. You know, to have to go through that, where you know, almost every month, my man was taking me somewhere, and we were spending days, wow. sometimes weeks, together in some other country or some beach or whatever. And what a what an awesome life that we had for about a year there. And then, okay, reality came around. And said, okay, it's time for both of us to get our shit together. We've enjoyed we've enjoyed it. She went. She took a new job where she was going to be busting her ass. I started a new business, and we both kind of looked at each other like, hey, we know that we're going to have to schedule time for this relationship because otherwise we'll get really focused and so we have to we have these check-ins that we have to do and you know at, at the beginning we didn't and we saw we caught ourselves where we were, we were drifting apart and you know we had this wake-up moment of whoa we actually as much as we love each other as much as we enjoy each other's company because we're so hyper focused on building the castle that you know we got to schedule this stuff and that to me yeah. is key that's is starting to do that where i organize those trips those times to the point where i know that she has a trip scheduled for just her and i to get away for three days next month and i don't even know where we're going what it is i just she's just made sure it's in the calendar i can't put anything in it and so it, we know that if enough time has gone by that we got to make Dude, sure. that has been the most powerful thing i've ever done is like putting things in my phone putting things in the calendar because if they're there i'll actually do them right and then i won't be a victim from my circumstance i'll, right. I'll be the victor because mm-hmm. i've like taken proactive control over my own schedule and i think how many people who are listening can relate to this like they feel like maybe they're a victim to their schedule and how does that relate to their health and wellness specifically this is mm-hmm. a big one it is and i know it seems simple like oh well duh but do it. it yeah right so if it's so simple then execute on it mm-hmm. right. and if you're listening you're feeling like ah, uncomfortable well there's some That's truth probably there. because yeah. dig into that exactly yeah. and the, the other thing to consider is experiences are so much more valuable than things so much more valuable than things and they've actually done studies on this where They've taken people and questioned them and asked them, you know, what they remember the most about what, you know, the last five years and what are the most meaningful things. And almost never is it the new TV they bought or the new car or the wardrobe. It's always that trip I went on or that class that I took or that thing that I learned over here. It's experiences. First I think- kiss on Tinder. Sorry? <laughs> first, first kiss on Tinder, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, Grinder. I mean, all, I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. That's for Justin. That's where we met, remember? Yeah. That's, that's where we all met. That's, that's the Sal. beginning of that's my Sal's MO. Yeah. That was number four. That was number okay. four. All right. It's, uh, you know, take all that, take that money that you invest on, uh, you know, things and, you know, that coffee every morning and the new pair of shoes and all that stuff and maybe the extra bedroom in, your, in the place you're renting. Take that money and spend it on experiences and watch the quality of your life improve it's funny every time i meet people who travel a lot 
they and it, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if you guys ever see this, but people who tend to travel a lot te- seem to have like a, this kind of wisdom about them. Well, that's a little different. There's other things that come into play there. I don't know if it's that's the direct correlation. They're getting a lot of novelty when they travel. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're getting a lot of novelty. Satisfied. You're also seeing yeah. different cultures and like, oh, well, that's wow, what I'm saying. That's totally normal over here. Just because we demonize it over here, maybe it's not such a bad thing. You know, you learn you learn a lot on when you travel. Not to mention what you you know having to communicate to another person if it's another language. Like, I mean, there's a lot that happens on that and i think each person is different because i know that's your experience and that's your narrative that that's how you feel but i think there can be people that can there could be tangible things that are very valuable to them like an extra room that you i mean stuff like that or you know coming from a sneaker head you threw out sneakers right there so like i feel the need to defend them that if somebody because <laughs> he likes so, things i do i like things i, I don't do. come after my air well, you gotta ask him, you but gotta, do you like the thing or do you like the essence of what the thing brings you there yeah you it's the essence of the thing that right brings is you. it really about the thing it's not and it's, also it's, you it's also really, have to, it's it what, what i was okay so literally this was yesterday i um it's like half nostalgia i was just so when after my shoe boxes start to stack up i order these clear boxes from amazon and wow. I, I organize all of them right so i'm going through and i'm organizing all my shoes in my spare room and i'm looking and i'm going like what is it about this that i love so much? I'm, i was questioning myself i always do especially when i i spent the day doing this i'm going like i must really enjoy this if i'm like stacking and organizing my shoes by brands and things like that right and i'm going through and i'm looking at them like and it re- what it reminded me i had this moment of being a child and i remembered uh, how I used to sit and collect my baseball cards and I would just look at all of them and I would organize them by team and all these things like that. And it, it's a similar type of a feeling, right? Like the baseball cards that I bought, like, you know, was it really the baseball cards that were so important to me or is it like the essence, like you said, the whole process of opening it, looking at it, reading the stats of the player, yeah. knowing all that it's stuff. It's not the Or sh- buying an old classic car that reminds you of when you built it when you were 16. Right. You saved up all your money for yes. like two summers. Right, right. I had a 1966 Mustang. Rad. When I was 17. Yeah, I had a well, 56 GMC so every time pickup, I see a Mustang, rod. Yeah. my heart's like, oh, I, I know. know. But you guys, right. you guys realize you guys are nostalgia. not- You so, guys are not, exper- you're not explaining things right now. What do you guys explaining the essence experiences yeah but, but, but experiences you're actually you're actually we're replicating yeah. it but what that's what I, my point of interrupting you on that was that you know it can be for tangible things can be that way for somebody else so because i don't ever want you to come off like oh people that buy things there's something they're demonizing that like there's something wrong with that there's nothing wrong with buying things you can buy things and actually get similar joys there's nothing wrong with that no no i don't just because thi- you have found that the traveling and kayaking no and, no 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 i and, think and, I, and wearing you know no i said experiences that don't matter i said experiences just just buying the shoes and having them is not what you enjoy oh, it's yeah. the experience of them and so and that's what i said i literally said experiences and that's the thing like uh, I, most of the things that people buy are not experiences. I, I can make that statement. And I can stand right behind it. Most well, I, things people yeah, buy, you can, you can, it's because they just own shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not want to keep up with the Joneses and whatnot. Huh? It's yeah. not because of experiences. And it brings so much better quality of life when you understand that and you spend money on or you invest your money on experiences rather than things. So yeah, you can buy shit and you could buy a car, you could buy shoes, or you could buy the experience of those things, which is what you guys are explaining. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think getting to that is the we're the, both right. The key, right? You know I mean? Is asking yourself. Well, it's the same thing that I did in that room. Like I, I question. I'm always doing this to my. I'm always questioning myself, and especially things that I do that are habits or whatever. And I'm looking at my. Is this a healthy thing? Like I'm looking at all these shoes. I'm like, <laughs> is there something wrong? Like, is there something wrong with me? And yeah. oh. and I, and I there, I come to this well, point where it's like you know uh, I'm not. It's not like I'm living beyond my means. It's not like I'm wasting them. I wear them all. Like. 
and I like them and I take good care of them and it remind it gives me these this this feeling that I had when I was a kid when I collected cars and I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get rid of that because maybe somebody else thinks that that's a waste of money because they could sell all those shoes and they could travel around the world with that like that so that's you maybe you would want to travel around the world and you have that experience but for me it provides a, a an experience that's very fulfilling right right but right, it's yeah. a tangible no thing. experiences are are very individual but I mean even circling it back to fitness if we look at the most successful uh, fitness facilities and uh, you know centers and programs the most uh, successful ones are based off of experience. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so it, it yeah. really does, it really goes back to that as well. I know there's a lot of big box gyms out there that are really, really cheap, especially nowadays. You can get a membership for 15 bucks a month and have all kinds of equipment uh, accessible to you. Yeah. And they're, the, the, the rate of success with these types of facilities is very low compared to the rate of success to smaller facilities that have that experience. Well, dude, this is why the, mm-hmm. the four walls of the club are collapsing faster than anybody can realize because, right. you know, sources like Peloton with their virtual cycling yes. and Rush and all these different studio experiences in your house yeah. on a massive They're television. bringing it directly to you. Competing and gamifying with everybody in different states across the United States. What? Yeah. I mean, you can't compete with that if you're a club for 15 bucks. If you're Planet Fitness yeah. and you can't make loud noises and you can't like actually be in a gym, yet you can get an incredible Dude. experience connected across the if country. If you're a gamer people. and you know like Call of Duty and then all of a sudden now you have online capability where yes. you can talk to your buddies and you're shooting people together. Yeah. Yeah. So much better. But mm. then this oh. this ties into falling in love with the process. Like working out should be joy and fun, not like misery and pain. Although yeah. sometimes that's kind of fun too. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but but tying in this like virtual component, it's such a big deal now in this world. Like this is where we are. Yeah. Okay. It, it's here whether we like it or not. And so I think these successful clubs that are leveraging tech and uh, that are giving people like an in-home experience or look at what Orange Theory is doing. Or um, I was just going to ask you what your. Let's dive into that. I love talking about business like this. Yeah. What do you think about? Um, you know, businesses like Orange Theory. With, obviously, we know they're doing well. They're one of the fastest growing companies right now in fitness. They're up to, I think, uh, I think it was like fucking 700 and something locations I read. They're just showing it. Something ridiculous, yeah. right? So they, yeah. I just read an article, uh, I think it was in Forbes, uh, talking about them and how fast they're growing. So they're exploding. But then I, I wonder, you know, how long will that last when you're seeing other companies like you're talking about that are mm. creating the same experience in your home for probably a lot less. Well, if you can create the essence, it's so cool. We've talked about the essence, right? If you can create the essence outside the club or outside the group fitness studio, bring that same environment to somebody competing on their own through a device, shit, maybe even like VR, right? What about a HUD headset that delivers VR? Somebody's running and they're in the class, even though they're physically not in the class. Right. That's the kind of experiences I think are coming. And Vaynerchuk's been talking about this for years already. Okay. The, the VR component is well on its way. It's already being integrated. Facebook just or had augmented reality or augmented reality. Yeah, it's it's all here. That. It's like, well, yeah. when is it going to be here? It's like, it's already here. Yeah. So I think that's where we're going. And I think when we look at Orange Theory and like Peloton and this transfer of power right now, the ivory towers have shown cracks for a long time, dude, in the fitness space. Uh, uh, these big box clubs are dying a slow death and they're frenetically scrambling to try to get oh, a hold Oh God, of can you see them phonetically? Yes. Can you see? I love watching. I not only can see them, I hear them when I go to Ursa. I understand what they're saying because like they're trying to figure it out. Like what Justin's created 
and this axon, like this is the kind of training tools people need because it actually connects why the hell someone would do it in the first place and show them progress on the long term. They can connect with other people about it. That's what it's all about, man. Yep. There's no joy in running on a treadmill by yourself and making an X on your calendar at home. Right, right. It just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- I think that's what they're Pull doing well in. is they they did a good job. And I was there for, what, two years. Uh, they did a good job of building this community, right? Like they do uh, of this experience of like cheers when you walk in. You walk in and you feel like yeah. it's home, you know. And so they're 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 playing into that really well right now. But I wonder how much longer these brick and mortars can really last. You know what else the the good studios are doing is is they're combining the outside club experience, either data, steps, activity, whatever, and they're bringing it into the club. They're gamifying. There's a company mm. called Delta Life Fitness. Josh Cherry's their CEO, and they have like 50 locations already. So they're up and coming. They just opened up in Temecula. And they take outside data sets. They use Nudge Coach. They pull in data that everybody's life, their steps. They have challenges for steps and activity and sleep. And so when people come into the Delta Life facility, they're com- competing not only in the facility but they're competing outside the facility oh, wow. and then of course they're mm-hmm. still doing these crossfit orange theory type workouts right that involve like fun things and yelling and music and, and a guy wearing a headset that's wearing you a have shirt. to you have to so, read irresistible because this is the one this is the i you, i want you to read it so i'm gonna read talk, it man because so yeah. we because we have to yeah. talk about this yeah. because what we're talking about right now here's what you're not going to like about the book and this is what i had a hard time with are you going to go doom and gloom right I, now can <laughs> i can i can i can yeah, i yeah, can yeah. i rain on your parade a little yeah, bit go for it so they 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 believe that um, the the connecting this part of it because of humans' behaviors that it's going to feed the addiction and make things worse. And they actually talk shit about like wearables and things like that. And I had a really hard time connecting with that part of the book because this is something I teach and I share with people. And I believe that it's the first step of awareness. I believe that these wearable tools are incredible and they've changed all of my clients' lives. And I've been able to use this as an incredible tool. But then I have to be, okay, that's, that this is my experience. This is, I have a total confirmation bias with this, right? So if I actually try and detach myself, read this book, absorb this information and look at it and go like, wow, could it be, could this be dangerous? Could it be bad that we're, we're just connecting more and more and more and more? Cause it goes circles back around to how we started this whole conversation. And that's kind of where the book takes this is. You know, they they really kind of demonized the wearable tools. Well, statistically speaking, people who work out um, at home or who want to work out at home are far less successful than people that go somewhere else. The people who work out consistently at home uh, also are ranked as highly motivated with fitness. So people who buy gym equipment and do stuff at home are the ones that are already so committed typically to exercise that they just want it in their house so they can do it whenever they want. Um, it, really? You, you, you believe that's a true stat? A lot, 100%. Of, a lot of treadmills have doilies and fake yeah, caps I on say, them. I don't know if that's, I would believe that. No, no, I, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. People who buy home equipment and use it are are very motivated individuals. It's not- oh, the ones that actually use yeah, it. Yeah, it's not a convenience factor. Yeah. And this is where I have a problem with, uh, with tech and wearables saying that they're the answer. I think they're tools. I think they're great tools. I think they're going to provide us with great information. I don't think they're the answer because- Convenience uh, is is not a factor. It hasn't been a factor for a long time. People can work, could work out at home for. I mean, home workout videos have been. You know, you sell more home workout videos than you sell gym. This equipment. is the argument the book makes. It, is and that, well, and here's the thing. I agree. You're right. So is the book. But so is the other thing. Mm-hmm. There's laws of nature. Duality is one of them. So you're right. Mm. But which one do we focus on? Because they're right. Each one has its own merit. <laughs> like each one is correct. It just depends on where you apply the energy and if it's the fit for your personality type for you as a human. Well, being. Me, so, okay, wait, wait, wait. so then on that note, then this is cause I mean, even being a guy who's, you know, was tied with orange theory because of my good buddy who started them. 
I think it, it, it actually perpetuates a very bad relationship with exercise. I think people, and I, I saw this firsthand when I worked there, and I, people become so addicted to the game part of winning, yeah. of beating the other person, scoring more points, getting more, you know, what do they call, I forget what they call them over there, uh, splat points than this person, that they're not Ooh. doing what's best for their body. They're not doing right. what they need. They're yeah. doing what's going to win the game. And then yeah. what it ends up doing is, and so I actually made a living off of helping people that had this really bad relationship and connection to exercise and food. And these were the type of people. It was like it was like a fish in a barrel there. I mean, everybody that the people that I found well, that were going away there. from quality, right? So like the same thing with the argument I have with CrossFit and, and sort of making that into a sport as far as like my workout now is a sport. Uh, you know, they, they're going to organize it in a way where I'm going to compete and I'm going to do like by all means necessary to, uh, you know, beat somebody else on this whiteboard. And, you know, that's going to be my focus for the day is to, you know, take on this challenge, but it's always a challenge instead of, you know, internalizing what this is doing, you know, to benefit my body and what kind of patterns can I establish with my movement that are going to make me, you know, move at its at my ultimate function and well-being and, and it's going to keep me consistent. Look, so. I said it before, I'll say it again. If it becomes a part of the culture, it will succeed. If it doesn't, it won't. If you look at, let's use Europe as an what example. What does that have to do with Orange Theory well, though? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about uh, technology. I'm talking about uh, you know th these uh, applications of these new uh, wearables. If it becomes a part of the culture, mm -hmm. it will become successful. If it doesn't, then it's going to be the next fad. And I'll give you guys some examples, okay? If you look at Europe. Oh, it's going to be a fad. If, if you look at Europe uh, and you look at their obesity rates, their obesity rates uh, did not climb as quickly as America's. Part of the reason was they have a culture of eating that's older than ours. Now, the country in Europe that uh, did not have obesity until much later, and now we're starting to see a lot, is Italy. Italy had some of the best obesity rates, especially among children, for up until now. Their obesity rates now are, are skyrocketing, and it's because the culture, Italian culture, valued food so much that they would literally boycott a McDonald's when it would open up in a small town because they'd be like, yeah. that's garbage food. Now, here's the thing with activity. If you go, if you, a, childhood obesity used to not exist. It used to not exist in this country. It took longer for kids to become obese than adults because the culture of children was, and of course their diets changed very rapidly as well, but the culture was to be active. If you were a child, you were active always. It, it, it wasn't, your parents could be office workers, super inactive, sit on the couch all day long. This is where, but if you were a child, the culture was to move and be active, but that's not the case anymore. The case now is we are in a culture of inactivity and poor eating. That culture has to change and this isn't fucking this isn't fucking tai chi bro you can't compare it to that this we're in a new era right now and you're taking history and you're talking about things i'm talking about human behavior okay you're talking about human behavior though and it's about to fucking change dude right it's changing and, before our eyes and that's my that point we are becoming more tech yeah i know it's your point but you can't compare what's happened in the past to what we're about to see in the next 10 to 15 years the, the wearable tools is not a fad bro it's no, a it's, it's we're it's ingrained in our well process. my, my point getting, is they're getting the they're getting the culture becomes to become active if the culture turns into through tech yeah. to eat better 
to eat the way that you're that's better for your body, then you will see a massive positive shift well, in health. I think that's obvious. Yeah. That's and an obvious you're, statement. You're curious if it's already integrated. It's integrated now. I yeah. mean, look at Apple yeah. Watch and the, the traction they've had. I think it's just the beginning of the beginning. Right. Yeah. I mean, the greatest services and products of, of the fitness it's industry so space early to have not yeah. even been created yet. I mean, really soak that in. Like the greatest products, the greatest services, the most transformational shit you're ever going to believe hasn't even been invented yet. Yeah. It's just the tip of the iceberg here. What has the internet done for businesses? Right. Imagine if you were to capitalize on all the things you know now in 2007 for Facebook, okay? You'd be in any place you want to be from a media perspective mm-hmm. because you would have seen it before it happens. And I believe we're on a ship and we all see the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. It's it's a very fascinating topic. It's a sword. It's, it's, it could damage you. You know, or you could use it. Which to one your, do we wield choose? it to your benefit? Yeah, which one do you choose? Anything in the world has a, a good or an evil potential. Absolutely. So that's why I'm saying I don't really know if anybody's right or wrong here. It's more like which one do we choose to go with based on our integrity, based on yeah. who we are, How do you where manage we actually want to go. Yeah, no matter what, I don't think you yeah. stop it because we're 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 all you know free market we're uh, all of us for sure are yeah. free market guys so none of us think that that should be policed or regulated so i'm definitely not somebody who thinks it should be stopped but i definitely think there should come i mean people should be thinking thinking about what they're they're getting yeah. into right and yeah. i think even like what i what saw to focus on with it is e- especially even watching what's going on so back to we're circling back to orange theory because i had an opportunity to work there for two years because i've watched the growth of it when it had 20 something clubs to now 700 over felt like overnight but within a couple of years and i actually don't think it's a, a healthy relationship with exercise i think it does i actually think it does more harm than good and I know that's a lot of people that know me that know that I was connected to that are going to be like, ooh. Uh, There's an Orange Theory trainer right now going like right, this, right? That's really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's because when I, and again, this is anecdotal, right? So I my only experience is seeing about 2,000 different people over the course of two years in one facility. So I'll, that's my experience. And so someone could totally debate this. But in my experience, a majority of those people that were walking through that door are were the people that didn't need that. Because there's a place for that. There yeah. are people. There is some people that I think that can be an awesome tool. If you know how to use it correctly, you know how to turn it on and off, you know when you should be pushing the body that way. But what it does is it, it feeds into an addiction that people that don't belong there are doing. It's literally the people that are... You get into the group mind of it instead yes, of it's, focus on the individual. Right. It's the yeah. people that are scared to work out by themselves because they don't know. They don't know any better. It's the people that hammer themselves all day long, high stress. Then they go into this high intensity group setting. And those people are the ones that need to be by themselves, talked about all their imbalances, address all their aches and pains, fix all of that, fix their relationship with themselves, fix their relationship with exercise. Then maybe they can introduce that intermittently into their life. But those are the people that are signing up for that. That's what's scary. That's what, that's what scares me. And when you see something like that growing so fast and we're praising it because it's doing so, it's so successful financially. See, which to me is always Mm. a a red flag right away. If something's (laughs) fucking so good, so awesome, (laughs) what is it about it that is so great? Ask yourself, why am I so in love and so addicted to this thing? That's because they made it so you would be addicted to it because they, what I saw and I, I, from day one, and these guys know because I talked behind the scenes about this stuff, I stepped into it knowing it's not something that I believe in. It was somebody who is a buddy of mine starting it, and I said I would help him build a good culture inside his facility. And so I tried to implement all of my 
beliefs and ideologies with health and fitness into a facility trying to impact them all. And I thought we did a pretty good job. It was the number one uh, number one facility for the first, the two years that I was there. I don't know what it does. So what now. was the difference? How did you make that culture grow in a positive mind frame? So here's the deal. And this is where I got a lot of pushback because I was doing things in the facility that you weren't supposed to do. That wasn't franchise. It wasn't part of the franchise. Like, so when everybody else would normally do these like three minute, you know, warming them up on the bike and the, and the uh, rower, I would have them doing dynamic warmups and I would be teaching them about flexibility at the end when you're supposed to do like this kind of generic cool down thing, I would be teaching them about nutrition. So I'd three minutes, I'd give them a tip of the day and then I'd write stuff on the board. So I was doing stuff inside the facility to give these people more because I knew that they weren't getting enough information. All they were doing was coming for the experience that they were already addicted to. When I was seeing all these embassy, these people running, got the knee hurts, my ankle hurts here, Adam, they got all this yeah. bad posture. Just reinforcing the shit out of Right. And yeah. then and they teach their trainers because it's a fast paced class. They teach their trainers how to correct form. And it's like, you can't, you can't correct somebody who has an imbalance that they've had for 30 years by coming over and just fixing their form for a second. Like you got to yeah. teach them what's wrong with their, with their body, what exercises they need to do to fix that. And then what they need to avoid that's causing that. So if you're not, and you can't do that in a fast paced class, right? So I tried to do my best to implement that in there and I still was not successful. And the data doesn't lie when you look at wellness programs. The reason why corporate wellness is growing is because it's not just myopic thinking of work your ass off in an Orange Theory fitness class. Right. The reason why maybe what you were doing was successful is because you were throwing in extra components of wellness, right? right. Mm -hmm. and, and, so, and so whether you use technology or not, like this whole person is what needs to be addressed. It's not about just getting somebody fit and kicking their ass in the gym. I mean, occasionally that's important, right? But wellness is so much bigger than right. just how much you're sweating and how fit you are in your body. Like there's so many components to it. And um, I think we've done such an amazing job of like exploring this today, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> now, re like really now, diving huh? into it, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking about it in my own life, like with Wellness Force, what's most important to me is just sharing my lessons, sharing my journey, man. Yeah. of this intersection of like, what does it mean to be physically intelligent in my body? Mm. What does it mean to be intelligent about my emotions? Mm. And um, that's what I'm just so excited to continue to get better on and learn on. I mean, I feel like I'm down the path, right? Um, but it's important for everyone listening who's like a trainer. I know a lot of trainers listen to your podcast. Uh, you do not have to be a black belt to train a white belt. You can be a green belt. Like, don't feel overwhelmed by all this stuff. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. Right, right. right. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Good shit. Good deal. Hey, check this out. Go to mindpumpmedia.com. Enroll in 30 days of coaching. It's available for free. Tons of great fitness information covers the entire gamut of wellness and fitness topics that we talk about on Mind Pump. Also, go to YouTube. Check out our channel, Mind Pump TV. Subscribe. There's a new video every single day. Finally, find us on Instagram, Mind Pump Media. My page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam's at Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. 
For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.